Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest, this episode is a trailblazer in every sense of the word. A rare talent of business wisdom, relationship brilliance, and unwavering optimism. She is a keynote speaker where she shares the unconventional techniques that helped her thrive as one of the first female sports agents in the high stakes, big ego world of professional sports. And she is now a successful entrepreneur. She was once hailed as the female Jerry Maguire by CNN as she successfully negotiated over a half a billion dollars in contracts. She's the author of four books, the latest, which we talk about here, The Energy Clock. Please welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Molly Fletcher. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, man. It's good to be with you. Yeah, excited to have you on the podcast. Um, one of the reasons I, I love your book, The Energy Clock. She's got other books. We'll have them linked up to the podcast as well. But uh, so relevant, I think, to busy student athletes and coaches and, and people that you've dealt with as well in your experiences. But I wanted to start with one of the lines that I loved. It was, clocks remind us where we need to be next, not where we are right now. Just, and I was like, man, that just hit me. We talk about being where your feet are and staying present. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important, especially when we're trying to manage our, our time and our clocks and our energy? Yeah, well, and I think, I think given your, your audience, you know, it, it, to me, and, and you said it, right, and Saban says that, lots of great coaches say that to their players all the time, be where your feet are now. And, you know, I, really the result of this book and this mindset was that I, I was a sports agent for so long. And then I stepped back, you know, kind of stepped into the business world more yeah. in the traditional sense. And, and it was always fascinating to me how business people were so obsessed with their time, the, the you know, clocks and schedules and where they're going to be next. And, but yet what I saw with the best athletes in the world was that their performance was indicative of where they put their energy. Mm -hmm. And I remember so distinctly sitting with Matt Kuchar, a tour player, and we were looking at the following season's tour schedule and we were backing into the tournaments that he should play in based on where he'd made cuts, the golf courses that he scored low in, you know, peaking at the majors. And then simultaneously I'm in this, you know, watching these business people who are so overly obsessed with their calendars. And I thought, what if business people looked at their schedules through the lens of energy rather than through the lens of time? Yeah. And in fact, could they perform better and be more intentional about being present in the moments that matter most? Yeah. Love it. In there, you talk about doing a, an energy audit. Uh, it starts to make you reflect. I did some of that auditing, uh, <laughs> some reflection as well, some good, good, you know, things I learned, but doing an energy audit, why, why should student athletes and coaches and, and you know, all leaders, business people of sorts audit where they're putting their energy. And, and like you said, in relationship to time. Yeah, well, I think, you know, great coaches, great student athletes know that, you know, feedback, clarity, accountability are all critical to performance. And at some level, the audit is an opportunity to gain clarity, you know, to hold yourself a little bit accountable. And so it, it's important because a lot of times things that drain our energy, obviously, they can impact our performance. 
And if we aren't clear on what those things are, we can't be intentional about removing them. And we also have to know, obviously, the things that give us energy because we can't pour from an empty cup, right? The best of the best, LeBron, Serena, you know, Tiger, they, they are intentional about recovery. And we have to be intentional about the way in which we recover mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things. So the audit creates an opportunity to gain the clarity around where your drainers are, what's draining you, you know, what gives you energy, and, and what are sort of the automatic, the neutrals, and how can we be intentional about ensuring that we minimize or remove the drainers, you know, that we maximize and insert and schedule the things that give us energy so that we can perform better. I think one of the, the things you talk about next after that audit, and I was even talking to my wife about this, was like, oh my gosh, I give this advice to coaches all the time. And I tell coaches, you know, within your practice, you know, know your kids' favorite drills and the things they like to do to get the energy up, right? So you can get the energy up and then maybe go into the drill or the strategic thing that's maybe mundane and, and not so exciting for them, right? And so I was like, when we talked about categorizing the yellow, green, and red over time, I'm like, well, I tell coaches that all the time, but I don't do it with my own schedule sometimes. <laughs> you know, how do I prime my schedule? Can you talk about, you know, why putting some of those fillers in our schedule before some of those things that, you know, we have to do their drainers, their red zone, but why is that important to kind of front load some of those things? Yeah, I like that you coach people on that. I think that's awesome. Well, because then you probably, when you coach people on that or when you did that or do that, you know, then you get the best out of them, the thing that matters the most. And so, you know, I think that we have to say, okay, if I'm getting ready to have to, to, to fly a red eye to get to Vegas for a keynote or for uh, something, you know, I might be intentional about when I get there, making sure that I'm not loaded with calls when I land at 7 a.m., you know, Pacific time or mountain time and, you know, what would be sort of 10 a.m. Eastern time that I'm not, I'm not landing and hitting into the day that I'm giving myself some space for sleep or a workout or, you know, whatever it might be. And because if we just, if we just pack it in and load it in, then I would get to that afternoon keynote, for example, and I wouldn't be able to show up like I need to, like I want to, like I should, like I promise. Yeah. So we, we, we have to be intentional. And I think we, we inherently as human beings, we operate against a clock, but I think we've got to shift the lens to operate through sort of this lens of, of energy, yeah. more importantly. I mean, energy is, it's our fuel, it's key to performance. Love it. Um, had an opportunity you talked about with your career as a sports sports agent worked with a lot of great athletes and leaders uh what's a leadership lesson for maybe one of your clients or something that sticks out that uh has stuck with you since your time wow there's you know there's so many i, I mean there's a couple i would share you know one would be tom Izzo, head coach at michigan state and a client friend awesome guy you know, he did a thing at the beginning of every season with his guys. And I think this is kind of cool for coaches where he would put all his athletes in the film room. He'd give them a three by five card and he would say, okay, right now, I just want you to identify what would success look like for you this season. I just want you to write it down. Like on his three by five, three by five card, what would it look like? And he said, Molly, I get all kinds of stuff. I get, you know, I'm going to win a national championship. I, you know, I want to win the big 10 championship. I want to be an all American. I want to graduate with above a 3.5. I mean, he gets all kinds of stuff. And then he pulls him into his office one by one. And he says, so I see, you know, you want to, you want to win the big 10 championship. What do you think the behaviors of somebody that, you know, went helps a team win a big 10 championship are And the kid of course rattles them off. And then Tom says, well, so 
if those are the behaviors that align with that outcome that you want, what, what as your coach, what would you like my role in that to be? Well, of course the athlete says, well, gosh, I mean, I guess coach, I, I mean, I guess I want you to help me do it. Okay. Well, how, how might be the best way for me to do that? Well, I mean, you know, and, and, and they ultimately get to this place where the, you know, the athlete says, well, I mean, if you could hold me accountable and, and if you've ever seen Tom on the sidelines, I mean, he goes bonkers on his guys. I mean, his head's yeah. about to explode, but yet every player can't wait to come back to get on the phone with a recruit to write a check to the program and they love him. And yeah. it's because he gets the best out of his guys. And so, you know, there's that, I, you know, Bobby Cox, I mean, manager of the Atlanta Braves forever. I mean, Bobby was a guy that some people don't know, but he's been ejected 158 <laughs> times from baseball games. And so, you know, lots of people in the world would go, God, that guy's such a hothead. What's his story. Right. But as Bobby told me, I mean, Bobby consistently put himself between the player and the ump and took the ejections because he knew his role. His role was yeah. to keep his guys on, on the field at some level and in, in moments have their back, make sure they knew that he had their back. And, and, you know, he, he always, you know, put his players at some level ahead of himself. And that's yeah. why guys wanted to stay and play for Bobby sometimes for less money than they could get in other markets. Yeah. I think any coach out there listening that wants to learn how to get buy-in, just rewind that back to how she talked about Tom Izzo. Um, you know, that's how you, you know, create, I think, meaningful relationship and align it with your goals, right? What a, what a cool story. And then I think another thing that made me think of is, you know, you do see a fiery Tom Izzo. But one thing I always talk to remind coaches is you can only push a kid as far as they trust you. And you can see, you know, obviously you have an inside, you know, perspective. It's like they come back, they trust them. Um, but that, that's, that, those kind of meaningful conversations they preload that with allows them to do that in the moment. And so. 100%. Yeah. I mean, if you have the relationship that's strong as the foundation, then lots of things can happen from there yeah. to your point. I love it. Yeah. So what uh, one question that in your energy audit, you're busy in your career and, and working with busy people. And as your book talks about, you get as an agent, you get pulled in a lot of emotional different directions. Um, what fills your cup? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful man who I've been married to for 22 years. And um, my, we have three daughters who are 18, 18, and 19. Okay. We had three kids in 12 months. So that's Twins, yep. 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 <laughs> but, you know, and, and they absolutely fill my cup. I mean, whether it's playing golf, going on a walk, working out, being together, sitting around, talking, you know, mm -hmm. they, they fill me up in a huge way. Working out is huge for me. Um, you know, I'm pretty intentional about ensuring that I get get that in every day. Um, and that's a really big deal to me. You know, things like meditation and prayer are really powerful and keep, yeah. keeping me aligned and centered. Um, and then my, you know, I'm blessed. My parents are both still alive. I have two incredible brothers. Our nuclear family is still really close. And, you know, I, I spend probably more time than I should every single day on the phone with my parents and my brothers, but I absolutely, we, we talk to each other every day, all of us, it's hilarious, but it's awesome. Yeah. So family, fitness, all those yeah. things really fill me up. And then of course, I mean, from a business perspective, the things that fill me up, I speak about 80 days a year. I too have a podcast that's so fun, right? Interviewing and talking to really meet people is yep. so neat. And, and um, you know, we have a training program, writing books, uh, you know, just continuing to evolve and grow is what, what fills me up. I mean, to continue to have an opportunity to wake up every day and feel like, I'm trying to make the world a little bit better place and impact people's lives in a positive way as, 
is what it's all about for me business-wise. I love it. Where does uh, podcasts rank in the yellow, green, red? Oh, it's a total green. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, and, and me what he's, he's alluding to folks, if you don't, you know, that, that's the thing that gives me energy. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, I've had, you know, some incredible women, founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, Dabo, Sweeney, uh, Izzo, of course, Smoltz. I mean, a lot of my guys, clients, Ernie Johnson. And then I've had, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Priyanka Jonas. I mean, cool. just really wonderful people and, and who are just smart, uh, great EQs, kind, so many of them. And so it's, it's a total filler. I'm sure yours is too. I hope it is. Or at least oh, this one most definitely. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And we'll have your podcast linked up here. So go, as Molly said, go check out. She's had some tremendous guests. Go check it out. Um, another quote you kind of reference in your book and, and kind of a, a little bit of a tangent of idea here, but it's from a TEDx talk. Um, Reshma Sujani. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, when we raise children to be perfect, we are not encouraging them to be brave. And then he goes on to say, we have to undo the socialization of perfection. As you reflect on that, like you said, you have kids, I have young kids being in a coaching environment, you know, what role do leaders play today in kind of unsocializing, desocializing? How do you say that? Yeah. Perfection. Socialization of, of perfection. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and good for you for, for not being perfect with the pronunciation. Yeah, wait a Maybe example. That <laughs> Maybe that was meant to be. You know, um, I, I think they play a huge role in it. You know, to me, it, it's about allowing kids, allowing you know them to fail and to be there to love them and trust them and support them and help them get back up. Because to me, we, we have a low failure tolerance in our society. And failure is one of the greatest teachers ever. And we know that our kids and our athletes are pushing themselves when they fail. If they're not failing, are they getting after it enough? Maybe not. So failure is, is, is a gift. And, you know, to me, the more that we get uncomfortable, the more that we push ourselves, the more that we will potentially have some hiccups. And as long as we learn from those moments, as long as we take the feedback that comes with those moments, as long as we get better from those moments, that's, that's what it's all about. And so, it's about brave, not perfect. And Reshma says it so well, I think. Um, she's a remarkable lady. Brave, not perfect. I love it. Um, if you could uh, wave a magic wand and tomorrow every student athlete athlete wakes up with a new mental skill, what's the mental skill you want them to all wake up with tomorrow to help them? I would say a, a limitless mindset. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the story that we choose to tell ourselves is everything in, in regards to the way we show up and what we tell ourselves, we believe, you know, where our focus goes, our, our, our sort of energy goes. And so it is, it is, it is with a mindset and a belief that helps us manifest the moments that, that we want on the court or the court or the field. And so I would just challenge student athletes or coaches to pull back and say, where's an area in your life where you're stuck, where you're not showing up as the best version of yourself, where you're not performing, where you're not executing, where you're not delivering, where are those moments? And how can you shift your story to one that's going to take you down the path, down the road to where you want to go, to where you deserve to go and where you should go, where you can go. And so mindset is it's massive you know and, and i think it's recognizing that 
the best athletes that I saw, the best coaches, where, where so many people in the world would see an obstacle, they see opportunity. They see, that's what they see. They see an opportunity. New way in, around, over, under, whatever you need to do. That's right. They find uh, a way. One other idea we love to uh, explore and, and wrap up our podcast with is uh, how do you define or look at success? What is success? Yeah, for me, it's living out my personal purpose statement, which is to lead, inspire, and connect with courage and optimism. And if, if I am, you know, go to my grave and people say, she led me, she inspired me, you know, she connected with me and she did it with, with a whole lot of courage and she was optimistic in the way she did it, then I'll be pumped that, that that's what my tombstone says. And so that, that's what success is to me. And, and that to me would be, of course, personally first, and then, and then professionally, right? If my girls and, and my husband and my brothers and my parents say I do that in their own lives, then, then I'm pumped. Sure you do, no doubt. I'm, uh... <laughs> but I would add too, Tyler, that you know, it's different for everybody and, and, and that's okay and that's yeah. a wonderful thing. So I would encourage everybody to define it for themselves, of course. Yeah, I think uh, we've not gotten a lot of similar answers on that right so, exactly I'm sure. and i <laughs> think that's the you know exploring it and having others explore it and, and figure out what it is for them is is the whole journey so uh molly one bonus question i guess always uh pops up with your name you jerry Maguire is the female molly fletcher <laughs> where did that start where did that come from how did that make you feel how, looking back what is that like this today. Yeah. Well, they say, yeah, that I'm the female Jerry Maguire. <laughs> right. I, you know, CNN said that once and I, you know, people just grabbed it and ran with it. And, you know, to me, it's, it's a simple way for people to go, Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I get, I get it. I get, I get what she did. And that's to me all it is. I, I don't really read into it. I get some people that say, doesn't that bother you? Like, what if, what if Jerry Maguire was the male Molly Fletcher? And I'm like, easy guys, that was a pretty sweet movie. And Tom Cruise is pretty, pretty cool. So he's <laughs> pretty much a stud. So, you know, I, I think um, it, it's an easy way for people to connect with the work that I did. And, and yeah. that's sort of why, you know, that's sort of how well, I look at it. I guess on kind of a, a, a deeper level, uh, in, in such a male dominated world, what was it like coming sure. through that? Well, I mean, you know, this is a little bit of the mindset stuff that we were just talking about. You know, to me, that's where the mindset shifts are huge because there was a ton of moments where I was, you know, I was the only woman behind, you know, home plate, you know, we had BP at a big league ballpark waiting for my guys or, or on the range at a PGA tour event or, I mean, I was, there was no other woman in front of me at the point in which that I started in 96. And so you know, I had to tell myself the right story when maybe managers would yell at my ball players and say, dude, why are you hitting on that chick, man? Get over here. Let's go. And they're like, actually, that's my agent. So my players often were guys and they had my back early in my career. Most of them were men. And of course, we, we certainly obviously represented women as, and the, the business has a long way to go. But, um, and, and so that was where, um, my relationships were integral because they supported me. Um, and, and I think it was also an opportunity to say, how do I lean into the way that I'm different as a gift? How can this be a good thing? Yeah. And in many ways, it was a secret weapon. I often would recruit the athlete, but then I would quickly involve, if it was, if, if it was a male athlete, I'd involve the wife. 
and mm-hmm. and they need the support too. I mean, no they, these guys get traded, they have issues, they have challenges. They're you know they're traveling. I mean, and and they need it. And so I put a team around me to ensure that we could also support the entire family. And so I think often in life, we we attempt to to become a chameleon to the environment versus saying, wait a minute, how can I be authentic to myself, show up in a way that's authentic to me, that serves the world in a way that makes it better, serves my customers, my clients, whatever it might be, my athletes in a way that's better. But I never tried to be like the guys I competed with. Right. I mean, I, I leaned on fences at, at minor league ballparks or big league ballparks or college ballparks with with a row of guys in khakis and co- collared shirts with chewing tobacco in their lap. I didn't try to be like that right. at all. And it, you know what? I was just exactly who I am and it worked. And so I think that's the key is who are you and, and who do you want to be and, and, and stand in that space, own it, because that's what the world wants is you to be who you are. listening if something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode we would love your help spreading the elevate message you can find me on instagram at elevate educate rejuvenate that's with the numeral instead of the ate thank you again and if i can help you with anything please reach out and don't forget go elevate others